My name is Forrest Miller, the host of Movie Night Extravaganza. On September 23rd, Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling is coming out in theaters. It stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Plus Chris Pines as Jordan Peterson, apparently. So we thought in preparation for that, we talked tonight about another Florence Pugh movie. I am talking about Ari Aster's 2019 folk horror entry, Midsummer. This film was talked about at the time for its constant, pervasive use of daylight. It's very bright and colorful, which is rare for a horror movie. After her parents are killed, Danny, played by Florence Pugh, reluctantly goes with her evasive boyfriend Christian and his friends on a trip to Sweden. Christian's friend Pele is part of an isolated and reclusive rural community known for their Midsummer Festival. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you can probably guess that this community ends up being a pagan cult and some serious psychological horror ensues. Below the surface, though, Ari Aster has talked about how this film is really more about the psychological process of going through a breakup and the need for emotional catharsis. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat, and we are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. Okay, let's introduce the panel. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them the Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. I'm Christina on Twitch. She's also on Patreon. She's been playing The Sims lately a lot on stream. And, uh, you know, you can find her over there. She's there four times a week. Our friends, Amy Bell and Amanda Ferriante of These Are Bad Movies. And we will be joined later tonight by Karthik. Okay. Wow, I feel ready to go. This is this is good. Let's go. Let's go. I should yeah. announce at the top. We're not actually going to be joined by Karthik. I think he's going to come on next week. Uh, uh, he, had, he had he had some he had some work to do. Well, he's at work still, I guess. But uh, yeah, the rest of it's accurate. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Unless someone's changed their name or like yeah, you know, Christina stopped playing The Sims. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't know what I, I don't know what I want to do anymore. But anyway, <laughs> I think you should go around to rural communities where they're having like these interesting uh, pagan festivals, and I think you should be the one. You should like uh, Alex Jones, Bohemian Grove, it right, and you should just kind of um, you know bring your camera and go in there and just kind of shake things up. I think that's what you should do on stream. I, I mean, Jared Leto technically has a cult like that. Really? You know, do they, yeah. do they all method act? <laughs> yeah, he literally plays Jesus Christ, and all the women are wearing white gowns and flower crowns and shit like that. So it's like, oh, I that sounds like fun. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like this movie. And the movie, of course, is Ari Aster's 2019 Midsummer, which apparently gets uh, pronounced both Midsummer and, in some interviews I've seen, Midsummer. I refuse to pronounce it that way. Midsummer. Well, I think you're supposed to say Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Midsummer. You have to sound like you're from IKEA to do that. Midsummer. That's too Italian. Whoa. <laughs> it's an Ital it's an Italian pagan festival. You're in the right continent, just a little too far south. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember uh and I'll throw it to you guys after I, I say this. I remember seeing this in the theater and not really knowing what I was gonna expect. Um I hadn't seen hereditary yet. <laughs> Uh, but everyone was talking about Midsummer being like, you know, this and crazy you drink movie. this tea that they gave you too. <laughs> right in the theater. No, and I went and saw it with my mom, and I remember both of us being completely freaked out by the end of the two and a half hours. I'd be like, I don't think this is what I was uh, thought this I, was going to be. It's not the movie that I'd want to go see with my mom. Agreed. Yeah. I, no. I mean, we didn't, like, I didn't know anything about it except for the trailer that made it seem like it was just like a regular cult horror movie and not, and but like an artistic one. And not like a, you know, not as insane as it really uh, yeah. ended up being. Yeah. I mean, I, I found that the uh, A24 movies, the ones they pick up, are real hit and, and miss for me. Like, I'll love one and then eh, the other. And not with any consistency. Is uh is Spring Breakers the in-between? Or it's just like, it, it happened. James Franco was riffraff for a little bit. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't go out of my way to see James Franco. All right. I feel like that. I feel like that's my, uh, that's my A24, like bellwether. Like that's my movie that I'm like, I, this is like, this is funny, but like, it's not a movie that I'm like, Hey, this is great. Like, I feel like I'll that's my, it again. <laughs> Spring Let's watch break. It with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it, you know, while I'm, while I'm sleeping for the next week and then uh, get, Spring break forever stuck in my head and then say that randomly. And then all my friends will be like, you're being really annoying. Stop saying that so much. And it'll be great. It'll be uh, a real James Franco experience. And Which that's what we need. Should be aspired to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, this show is nothing if not a, uh, you know, following the footsteps of James Franco podcast. We need to leave. <laughs> we need yeah. to stream. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> and there goes all of our women <laughs> well it just went down to now two. you have no guests we're driving through a tunnel oh no oh no <laughs> but yeah so this is this is my formative experience uh uh ari aster movie i watched hereditary like a few months later after seeing this and then was like holy fuck that was a scary movie um that's one of the few movies that i would say legitimately like terrified me uh but this movie, this movie, I don't know. It was more, it was more disturbing. I think it, it was more permeated uh, dis disturbance than it was um, like a like an actual jump scare kind of thing. Although they do have a few moments where they try to hit you with a jump scare. I don't know how well it works in Midsummer. 
it's, um, it's more subtle though. It's it's like very very subtle because like you know you see like uh her, her sister's face in the trees like you know just just as she's marching off and, and you know completely with the uh, the the gas pipe in her mouth. It's it's like one of the once you notice it, it is like one of the creepiest moments of the film. Yeah, and there's another moment where her dead mom, uh, they're doing like the the like I don't know, she's doing like an incantation or something before they do the the May uh, the May Queen like the dance off or whatever, and you see her dead mom's face and it like super like it, it's it's superposed over the woman's face. Like there's some pretty creepy. Yeah, moments no, both parents are actually in the background of that scene too. Yeah, but like they're just as extras. Uh, mm-hmm. So 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 like there's there's lots of like things where you're just like wait wait what's going on uh yeah, including like just don't feel right uh, including yeah. like like lots of weird foreshadowing like the uh painting above her bed of the uh uh of the bear uh fighting the little girl She's and not, that's not the, like i s- agreed that painting was included there intentionally but it didn't read to me as the bear doing anything nasty to the girl it looked more like a fairy tale like that, that's actually what the painting. Well, the rune. I the mean, artist, the are telling this, like the the paintings are telling the story of what's kind of happening in the film, right? Like it's it's a symbolic representation. Yeah. It's also a Swedish painter who, who specializes in Swedish folk tales, and it is actually from a Swedish folk tale. It is not about this movie. It's uh, but it's also like the way that like the the dollhouse in Hereditary kind of represents um, like the the culmination of the movie and like where the family has been kind of kept in purgatory forever, like. It's kind of a similar thing, I think, with some of the paintings in this, because there's a lot of paintings in this. We yeah, have a lot here. And, and scarecrows too at the uh, at the uh, boyfriend's house. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen Hereditary. When you, when you say there are scarecrows at the boyfriend's house, you're talking about Midsummer. Yeah, I didn't notice. Okay, uh, above the uh, above the refrigerator is a picture of the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. Okay. And there's a scarecrow doll on top of a shelf in the the background of that scene too. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's... <laughs> if, if but I wonder if those scarecrows had brains. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, just, I just pulled up. I don't know if you just pulled up the same thing. I just pulled up a Reddit thing where I was looking for a picture of it, and it's like, like scarecrow type top right. If I only had a brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't. Oh, wow, I didn't notice that uh, any of like the four times I've watched this movie. But <laughs> now you're going to uh, look for it. Uh, there's supposed to be like more stuff that people say that they see, but uh, sometimes just like we see human faces where it's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so like even though the the sister's face is in the trees, um, you know, I I could never see the uh, face in the uh, in the snowfall. Yo, Evil Yoda said, but I'm always tired when you're on. And Jay Hutch said uh, in the chat, I'm not an expert, but I don't recommend using I'm always tired when you're on in your future promotional material. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, I'm always tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't I didn't notice the scarecrow in this, but I did notice at the beginning there's like the, the rune paintings or whatever, and they show you it like they show you like a full, almost like a full cast, uh, like mural, I guess, um, of of kind of everything that's going on in the movie and like the, the characterization of it, I guess. And I think you're right about the, um, I mean, you said this off, you said this on Twitter, but like it being almost at first, like the watermelon thing where it's like, where, why is the watermelon here in, uh, in, in Buckaroo Banzai yes. when they walk past the bear, like when you don't know what the bear is going to be used for later in the movie, he's just like, Oh, don't worry about this. He's just a bear. Have you not seen the bear before? <laughs> 
Well, that, and that is one of the things that stood out a little bit watching this for the first time was um, how much was given away if you were paying attention. Mm-hmm. And not given away, but just um, hinted at. Or yeah, like, like if, if you foreshadowed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like before Mark goes and desecrates the the ancestor tree, you see the ashes of the, the couple that just died being put next to the tree in the background while some other characters are talking. So you could postulate from there, hey, maybe that's an important tree no one should pee on <laughs> where that scene happens. Yeah, and and um, in some ways, there's like a, I don't know, like each character kind of gets killed in a way that they, or kind of sins almost in a way, right? Like that they get killed. Like they, I take issue with that. Well, not sin. I take issue with the whole damn movie. I've been sitting here silent this whole time because I come on here and I'm used to having, you know, the these are bad movies. We're just going to go with the bad, right? But Forrest doesn't really want me to do that. No, I want to hear what, what you think is bad about oh this movie. Oh, my God, I hated this movie. I hated this movie so much. Like, fuck. <laughs> All right, let's 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 hear your case. Yeah, the flowers are off. Let's go. Flowers are off. I hated this movie so much. Like, okay, the worst part about this movie, like the whole time I'm watching it, okay. I don't even know what Amanda's laughing about because I haven't said this out loud yet. Because you know what? No one should ever have to say the words out loud that this movie (laughs) might actually be racist against white people. <laughs> well, I mean, a, a specific, a specific kind of white person, right? Like, it, it's the the whitest of the white. They're Swedish. Like, oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. I've said that out loud because that is the introduction to the concept that I actually had a problem with here. <laughs> okay. Um. There are, and in Sweden or, or, or in the, the Nordic countries, there are actually uh, indigenous tribes of blonde-haired, blue-eyed white people, right? That have the same, like, protections and, like, that, that old cult. They're, they're not colonized white people. And that's a very rare thing, but they do exist. And this movie seemed to be really, like, pro colonization in that it was like very uh i don't they they took white people but then they built up like the stereotypical like what they accused the incas of doing type of stuff what they accused the aztecs of doing like oh the pagan cultures they're just here to like sacrifice a whole bunch of people to their heathen god and engage in ridiculous sex and right? cannibalism. I think there's yep. cannibalism in this movie. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's actually like it's debatably uh, cannibalism. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, so so it's actually like really bad treatment towards indigenous culture. And even though they made the indigenous culture white, which it, it in very rare instances it can be, right? Very rare. But it still is more of a depiction of like the old world, the old gods, the gods that needed to be tamed by the like 
more civilized Christian, you know, the Americans come in and I'm just sitting there going, Oh my God, this is a, like, this is a colonizers movie about colonizing white people. And I just hate what my brain is going through right now to have to like do the gymnastics to even think about this movie. I mean, all right, the the actual, some of the actual practices in this movie though are rooted in the actual, I mean, the things that they accuse at least, uh, indigenous Swedish people, specifically Swedish people, um, of, of engaging in like, uh, colonizers mindset, right? I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't take issue. I don't take issue with that, but like comparing it to like the Inca or something like, I do get that it's kind of, uh, taking this kind of paganistic, although there's like the actual festival, like May Day or whatever is a Christian festival, which is kind of funny. Like May Day didn't exist within the, the realm of, uh, nordic the, the way that it does in this movie like i was reading up on it a little bit and there is no actual like uh mayday festival well, up until the it christian also doesn't happen at the midnight sun so yeah they yeah. took some liberties but, but they took so, a lot of liberties so uh <laughs> at, but like at a stupa which is like the the ritual jumping off of a cliff that you know old people did uh allegedly within these swedish communities is like it is an indigenous swedish uh ritual or whatever and and it's never been actually proven to have taken place like they just found some cliffs and they were like yo people jumped off of those and like there's never been any evidence i know uh, but that's the exact that's the same thing they've done with indigenous cultures everywhere yeah and that that's that's how that's how they and they really hyper focus on these like sensationalistic uh, death ritual, sex cult aspects of indigenous cultures globally. And I guess, I guess the the interesting thing about this, if we're taking this road to look at it, is the the uh, the person who's actually studying the culture is black, right? Like they're they're a black student, grad student that's studying the cultures of Europe and these different festivals. So it makes it kind of interesting that like the Americans, I guess, and especially like an American of color, but like I mean, they're all kind of supposedly grad students working on their thesis, but like you know, at least uh, the one that actually cares about it, Josh, uh, that actually wants to write about it and actually like. Uh, is interested in the subject is is african-american which kind of makes it an interesting twitch or, or twist if you're talking about you know this being an anti-white uh, person movie <laughs> well but anthropology as a study is a very inherently colonizer mindset type of of academic uh track yeah because they were anthropology so like, majors so like just because they kind of like race swapped some of those things i mean it it is not exclusively white to be a colonizer um and it is not exclusively uh non-white people that can be colonized although you know i mean i've been listening to i've been listening to like blowback season three where they're talking about korea like the history of the korean war and obviously like japan went in and colonized everywhere from taiwan to to like both, right. both parts of korea like you know they the korean peninsula kind of as a whole like japan's whole thing was like well we can't really go and colonize white people we don't really have the resources to like go into africa and find a place to kind of uh stake our empire out so like there are people just down the fucking peninsula over there that we actually can just kind of you know grab this from like let's go do that and uh yeah. you know shinzo abe's uh shinzo abe's like grandfather or whatever you know who was the president uh the, the prime minister of japan in the in the 1960s was the guy that actually went into like manchuria and was the the head of their uh their entire colony there the japanese government 
and was incredibly brutal. So yeah, it's not an ex exclusively um, white and non-white dynamic. Well, and, and I do appreciate to the extent that it forces you to take the identity politics out of that conversation, right? Because you're looking at it and like, well, they're portraying white culture as evil. I'm like, I don't think they are because I think when you say white culture, you're talking about colonizer culture. Yeah. yeah. And that is not what that society was, even though they had white skin and blonde hair. Right. So I, I like that they forced you out of your identity politics sphere, but also I'm like, I'm really into like the old gods and the like I'm Vegas, think of all these goddamn like new gods coming in here they think they own everything mm -hmm. they're like oh i'm gonna transform everything no who who you know who's who's standing up for the old gods and then they go and tell these bullshit stories about the sex cults with the like come on how are you gonna get your blood for out now <laughs> blood for what blood for Odin. There, there's oh, a Odin. Yeah, there's an amazing story about this uh, guy going to a uh, sci-fi con, and he's dressed in like uh, medieval garb and has a sword, and he's like cutting through this back alley to get there, um, and this mugger hops out, and so he just drops his coat, draws his sword out, uh, pointing it straight up in the air, and yells, "Blood for Odin!" <laughs> and the the mugger like drops his knife and just runs away, and apparently after the con, he was like in his civvies, you know, uh, leaving. He's in the bathroom at like McDonald's, realizes that the guy next to him in the stall, and this is how the story goes. So, you know, if it's if it's fake, you know, it's uh that's fine. It's a great story. Notice the guy next to him was the would-be mugger, and he just leans over and whispers in his ear, blood for Odin. <laughs> and the guy doesn't even zip up and just runs out of there. Wait, I want to hear what Christina has to say. She's been silent largely for most of this episode. Oh, that's a hot take. I'm waiting for it. Oh, a hot take. I really, as someone who, I don't really get deep into the political aspects. I'm a horror girl through and through. And I will say that this movie, and I'm not one to get scared. Like, that hereditary actually gave me, like, like it made me feel something that I never felt before. I guess because I, I, I completely agree with you with hereditary. With hereditary, I was scared in a way that I'm like, holy fuck, I don't think I felt this from a movie. Yeah, like like the suspenseful psychological thrillers, the like those will fuck with my mind. Question about hereditary for both of you. Uh have you noticed the mom on the ceiling? I haven't seen hereditary, so I hope that wasn't for yeah, me. Yeah, it's think, been a while yeah, since I mean, I've... it's been a while since I saw I think okay. I've only watched hereditary. Yeah, make sure you watch it in a dark room because it's hard to see with the lights on because of how like like low contrast that scene is. They but, literally like, make it once so you that see you her. have to watch these films in a dark room. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't quite like that. Like, like I, I'm, I'm actually kind of annoyed by films, uh, you know, with the low contrast uh, filmmaking. Because um, cause it means that you have to have an HD TV to really watch it and actually see what's going on in there. Because this, then you'll actually have, have the contrast. Of that though, like this, like this movie kind of does the opposite of like a lot of what Hereditary does with the with the dark. Yeah, movie. there's so much not light. not necessarily though, because the the first portion of the, like the first act, the opening act, is very dark. Yeah, you know, set in you know America City somewhere, and then there are portions <laughs> later on once they're you know at the festival where I'd point something out. And we'd have to rewind so Amy could see it because of the high contrast, like in particular, um, when the grad student is is with the the elder and like going through their their book of of 
you know, uh, customs and, and stuff. Interpretations and, of their inbred person scribbling exactly. in a book, which is and, why and, I'm the Ruben of the uh, panel. <laughs> oh, no comment. Um, and then the, the shot switches over so you can see Ruben framed in the doorway. You know, and it's really bright outside and really dark inside. But Ruby Rotter, by the way, is the book. I had to look that up. Yes. If you look off to the side, you can see a bed against the wall. But because it's so poorly lit compared to the doorway, you don't notice it unless you're just looking at the entire scene. Well, and okay. And later on, he's he's in or Ruben's in the bed, like watching the sex happenings. But but what okay. When we were watching it, we watched it on our uh, public library app, our local mm -hmm. libraries app. Canopy. Um, and so I'm not entirely sure if that app is just absolute garbage or if they needed to fire their sound people and didn't. Agreed. I, I watched it off Canopy, which is also through a library. That, that's ours, that's yeah. the one we used. Okay. I've had good luck with them for the most part. I thought the sound was good, but... I have very nice headphones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe if I were wearing headphones, that would be one thing. But it was like the type of thing where I was having to turn the volume up and turn the volume down. And the background uh, volume would be up so high that it would be obnoxious and drowning out the like dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, we wound up giving, it up giving up and watching it with subtitles on, which is a large part where I, why I struggled to see the imagery was because I can't really do subtitles. Yeah, Coleman says the sound for the actual film is stellar. I agree. I, I mean, I saw it in a theater, and I always I was kind of blown away. Yeah, by I mean, you definitely see it in theater. You know, well, sounds... I saw people call it creative, and so I'm wondering if what they're calling creative and stellar, I would call no thank you. Yeah, well, um, the sound was mixed strangely. Like, like whenever the uh, after that first body hits, all of a sudden, um, like, like it's just it's it's. Uh, I, I actually really felt uh, uh, engrossed in that because that I'm half deaf, and that is how I hear a lot of times. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm out in public with a lot of people, um, you know, I hear like the white noise and barely I'm hearing people over it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's not what we we're I was talking like, oh, about. Oh, that's that's normal for me. Yeah, it wasn't that kind of deliberate, like. Well, it didn't feel deliberate to me. Like it might have been. Yes, it was definitely what was happening. It was definitely, with it. it was definitely yeah. canopy then, because I think everything I about the movie is incredibly, incredibly deliberate. So, um, but right. no, I think I think it worked well because it actually acts as like a a uh, uh, distraction thing. Like like people use that 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 uh, ear ringing thing, which drives me nuts. Um, and occasionally it's done right. Like Mad Max Fury Road, I think is one of the exceptions, where, where like there's an explosion happens, the and main character is a little dizzy. You hear the that that high pitch ringing. Oh sound. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I have that. permanent ringing in my good ear. Mm -hmm. Um, so so like I do not like hearing that sound when I'm watching a movie. Yeah, uh, I didn't like having to read subtitles because I'm a little dyslexic, and I also read in a voice, which makes it sound really bizarre in my head. So I have a bad time when they turn the subtitles on. So, so we've we've discussed the aesthetic qualities of the film, I think, uh, in depth. A bit. But, uh, this is this so is a on, on a on a on a on a I guess a, a a subtextual level. This movie is also kind of about Ari Aster's own breakup and like the need that he found from uh, like the need for he wrote this when he was going through a breakup from a long term relationship and the need for catharsis that he felt I guess uh, throughout this process kind of 
made up for made up the movie itself and this like for i don't know so i have a clip that i uh okay. <laughs> i don't know why i'm the one explaining this when i could have ari Aster do it himself yeah it'd probably be better too yeah <laughs> i think this might be a happy ending <laughs> and i'm curious what what your response is to that um well um it is i don't know it, it it's designed to be cathartic and it's designed to play as a happy ending um it, I, it, it took a long time to uh, to get to the right place with the score for that last sequence, uh, and, and there's a 10-minute cue that accompanies the uh, the 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 uh, fi final scene of the film, um, and we were really trying to hit the right tone, which was, uh, I guess. Um, we we were going for like this lushness and this you know romance and this like you know symphonic quality and uh, you know it, it was just very important that it felt um, just cathartic and I think we were going for this like feeling of awe as opposed to a feeling of like horror um, and the way that I <clears throat> have been uh, talking about the film and I. I I'm at the end of a press tour right now, and I'm just like I like absolutely hate myself, um, <laughs> and so I'm repeating myself and trying also to like uh, avoid mistakes I've been making um, or things I just regret. Uh, but we won't hold you accountable for anything here. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, I I I have been describing the film, and I. I, I was doing this before we made the film as a, a fairy tale. And, um, and you know, in, in many ways, the movie is uh, a contribution to the folk horror subgenre. Um, and for many of the characters, that's what this film is. I mean, for, you know, all of the American men and the two British, I'm um, the two visiting uh, uh, British people. This is a folk, a folk horror movie, um, but for Danny, for the main character, it's uh, a sort of perverse wish fulfillment fantasy. Um, and uh, and you know, I I wrote this while I was going through uh, a pretty bad breakup after a, a long term relationship, and um, I I wanted to make a film that you know that felt uh, like as big as a breakup feels, you know, like from a distance, if it's happening to someone, you know, or somebody else, it's like this silly thing and they're going to get over it and like, you know, just pick yourself up by, by the bootstraps. But when you're in it, it can feel cataclysmic. Um, and so I wanted to, uh, to make a breakup movie that felt as consequential, uh, as a breakup feels. No, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, I don't no. think I'm going to date him. I wish I went through what he went through. I mean, come on. I mean, I broke up with my ex, and next thing I know, my father gets diagnosed with end stage uh, small cell lung cancer. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and you never once wanted to like sew someone into a bear carcass and light them on fire. Ritually. I mean, but I, I mean, mean it's, 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 maybe, it's, maybe it's, sometimes I'm just a little Midwestern girl here, but that's just <laughs> things well out, out there out there in the midwest we feel like maybe you know a bear is something you should run away from not you know get inside of <laughs> yeah yeah you know come on I, I just think that it it's funny to put the breakup on the same scale or uh more extreme as the murder suicide committed by the sister at the beginning of the movie well, it's, yeah. it's, that's it's, an uh, odd comparison in my mind. Which I don't even know, like, what really was the plot drive driver for that? It was uh, just, bipolar it was disorder will really mess you up. Was the lesson from that? Mm -hmm. But take your bipolar meds, y'all. <laughs> no, but it's untethering her from the life that she's living in the United States, so that she can, you know, be completely free to explore the psychological experience. And if you don't think about it as all of this stuff literally happening, right? Like you think about all of this as um, abstract Ooh. or uh, or metaphorical. Ooh. Well, I mean, I mean, that's kind of what he's okay, saying. Okay, so it's that's cool. the kill your mother trope, and women really don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it's mommy usually like, like mommy dearest. Yeah. Um, it's usually applied to men, though. No, it, it happens to women. Oh, well. But she it's doesn't kill your mother she trope. Doesn't, hey, mother, she hey, doesn't. if parents are terrible, then... She doesn't kill her 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 mother. Like I don't know. Like it's, he, it's not it's, that the character kills their mother. It's that the plot requires the mother to die for the child to to fully realize themselves. It's like it requires the death of the maternal um, presence. But it was. It's but, but it's I mean, also to for character development. I mean, I hate to say that that it's character development for her boyfriend because that that also. Like, like, you know, does kind of feed into what you're trying to say. Yo, that makes but, it sound, but, that makes it sound really the, shitty. Yo, we're gonna kill, we're gonna kill your mother, so it's character development. But, but, but it's, 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 well, no, 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 no. Hear me out, hear me out, because, because I'm gonna get to a point here. But I gotta explain a couple of things. Um, because his reaction wasn't initially, uh, uh, like, uh, oh, you know, maybe you should, you should uh, go see your parents, you know, or anything like that. He's just like, oh, whatever, blow it off. Uh, and then you know, something absolutely tragic happened. And because of that, that shows you how callous and cold he is. And it actually kind of works out through the rest of the film that you see this kind of uh, shallow person because he did tell her not to, you know, not to worry about it. And she really did need to worry about it. She really did need to do something. They were alive. You could see them breathing at the very, you know, as she's calling them. And if, if she didn't call him or even if she, she didn't take his advice and went over there, she might have mm -hmm. been able to save her uh, family's life. But even not her sister. At the same time, exactly. though, I mean, they, because they, he had to kill the mother. They leave you. They leave you with the impression, though, that uh, that you like by um, that this happens a lot, right? Like the, the sister's always threatening to do something. I don't. I don't think necessarily it's a very good message for you know people's mental health or whatever. But like the the sister's always kind of doing stuff. Is always threatening these things for attention. I don't think it's just that he's shallow. Well, I don't think it's for I attention, think, though. That's the problem. Yeah, but but I mean, I mean that's his that's like, how little both, sexist but, view of it because he's a horrible but character. Dan, but Danny says it. I mean, I agree that he's a horrible character, but I think he's a character completely out of his depth. Like I, I think that he's he's not he shouldn't be, uh, I guess, entangled with somebody who's 
family like who's gone through this much um who even has like a mentally ill sister like he's a completely useless character essentially and oh, which is I, why irredeemable yeah but yeah. i which is why i felt like really nothing when i i mean i i felt kind of terrifying with not empathy but like thinking like oh shit like imagine being burned alive uh in a bear costume and not being able to get at like not being able to move or like you know what i mean like that was i was terrifying. thinking more but of of putting him in the costume because they were prepping him to cut off his legs before they were fully finished with the bear. And that just seems really inefficient to me. <laughs> they're, well, they're, bear's they're legs are there. shorter than people's legs. Well, they're sitting there, they're like, this guy sucks. There's no way she chooses our random guy. She's going to choose this guy. We're but see, I, to me, it, it still like, I, I didn't quite believe that she would be so divorced from reality to have selected the person that didn't ask for this to die rather than the person who was doing all of this crap to die. It didn't, that didn't, that didn't make a believable narrative for me. I just don't think, I don't know, maybe he, the, Ari Escher had a revenge fantasy of some kind. Um, but that's not one that I would ever see playing out. So here's here's what may or may not have been tr them trying to like intentionally imply something is at the beginning of the movie when it's all the dude bros talking about how Christian needs to break up with Danny. Um, Mark is is talking about how he needs to go. Uh, Christian needs to go find a girl who's not, you know who's willing to have sex and not freaked out by it or whatever. And then it's only after Danny sees like the, the, the group sex and just loses it. Right. Yeah. That then she's okay with. Yeah. Pick him because that of all things totally looked consensual and above board, you know, everything else that's going on there. And she's like, ah, he intentionally got in the middle of a bizarre sex cult. So mm -hmm. I don't know if they were trying to say that like has it, she has kind of like phobia or trauma or something. I, that I would probably assume it was, it was yeah, I would have assumed it was trauma. And I would assume that this is someone who's kind of insanely damaged by a bunch of different things. Not just, uh, you know, not just having a, a sister who has bipolar and stuff, but like, you know, has been through a lot and is extremely anxious. Like you see her popping Klonopin. Uh, at the beginning of it, it that's, like, that's... while looking in the mirror, it seems like someone who has um, a pretty a pretty uh, well established panic attack disorder. And I would have to wonder if uh, Ari Aster kind of uh, projected some of his own. I mean, he, he talks about it at length in some of these interviews. Like he projects his own kind of things into Danny as a character. And I I don't I don't know how much of the uh, wish fulfillment of like oh well maybe you know I can burn my you know treacherous boyfriend alive kind of thing goes into that but i but i would assume that there's a lot of uh, emotional issues at play that we kind of see but some of them we don't and it's kind of implied by the fact that she has um all these issues and she's uh constrained right like i i think that i think that the thing is with the kill your mother thing like whether or not it is a trope um is that it's it's cutting off all of her ties to uh yeah that's the trope off. that yeah. is the trope yeah yeah go out into the it's bambi yeah. it's bambi yeah is what it is uh, Bambi doesn't happen without Bambi's mom getting shot. Um, I mean, sure, but I... Bambi for one for our mother getting shot. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, still, like, uh, 
it, so I, I think that it's a, it's a story about healing. I think it's largely allegorical. I don't think it's no. meant to be taken literally. No well, healing takes place. I mean, I'm going to agree with you that it's allegorical because the director said it was, right? Like, that's clearly what was intended because he said that's what was intended. And then literally everybody inside that building really needed some aloe after it was hmm. burned down. Yeah. So so here's the other thing is Danny, there's there's context in the movie that says Danny is an unreliable narrator. Um obvious from the way the, the way she like backs away from uh confrontations with, with certain characters, like Christian specifically, like changing her tune halfway through when he gets upset at her and being like, Well, I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize to me anymore as an example of her being like outwardly an unreliable narrator but also as you mentioned forrest at the beginning she's she's uh taking some prescription pills and um i don't know about other people but i don't stop taking my prescriptions when i'm on vacation and throughout her vacation well, that's not how klonopin is prescribed well Klonopin is prescribed on an as-needed basis when anxiety gets bad. And she was having a great time in Sweden. I have quite severe anxiety. I would still have that. So, and especially like... She's in anxious. Vacation, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. She's, on, she's in Sweden and she's crying throughout a lot of it. She's still going through the, the, the traumatic experience. She's, I don't, she's taking recreational drugs and all right so um, she's irresponsible i don't know no no no. what i'm saying what i'm talking is she was tripping the entire time because she's probably taking her already prescribed medication because she's having a bad time even on the airplane um she's taking uh what's his name sleeping pills and then all this yeah, other stuff yeah. that's being pushed on her. She is an unreliable narrator. The drug use was actually particularly disturbing to me because it depicted uh discomfort with using the drugs and then like bad drug culture pressure that just i did not like the depiction of the drug pressure there if, if that makes sense like they really i feel like you guys are just like i'm just not real comfortable like, yeah, man, can't have any fun yeah that's because i can't believe i'm not chris pratt was like really trying to push her into taking the drugs i like that i can't believe i'm not chris pratt brilliant yeah, I kept thinking that, like, like, oh my god, this dude looks just like Chris Pratt. That's perfect. <laughs> Wait, the the boyfriend? Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, Irish. He, not yeah, Chris he Pratt. looks a lot like Chris Pratt. I can't believe it's not Chris Pratt. Pratt. <laughs> he's not. He's Chris Oh Pratt. <laughs> but I so I pulled I pulled a clip specifically for Christina uh, because Ooh. I thought she'd think it was funny. So this is the uh, this is the actor. Uh, that, that played Christian talking about the full frontal thing with um and you weren't you weren't on for the last episode we did which I, I wish you were because we the same the same interviewer came up in the last episode it was running up to people and yelling at them about and doesn't uh, he look like Chris Pratt he does he does look like Chris but the same <laughs> the same guy was running up to people at the uh, the premiere of Pig and was like what was it like to work with the pig Ooh. And you remember that you remember I that I hear uh, it's hard to work with children yes. and animals <laughs> so that, that so pig is, was a professional. Even so though is, she's never done a movie before. She's never done this. She was an amateur pick. All right. So this is. Scaling uh, <laughs> it. How do you sell this movie to someone? Why they should see it? It's coming out July 4th weekend. <laughs> it's the happy weekend. You know, it's summer. Yeah. 
Why should they go into a theater and see this? If you've just gone through a breakup, maybe it's the right movie for you. Maybe it's uh, maybe or maybe it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're twisted. <laughs> I think it's um, you know, I guess over the past ten years we've seen this kind of reemergence of of the horror genre as something mm. prestigious, you know, and mm -hmm. and there's like real there's real substance in horror films right. these days. I think it's becoming the genre that people are continuing to go to the theater for when everything else has just gone. Nobody goes right. to the theater for anything that's not a franchise movie anymore, but they will go for a great horror. Mm -hmm. And I really think this is one of those movies. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, you know, all credit to Ari as an auteur. This is an excellent piece of filmmaking. It really is. So we have to talk about, I'm, we have to Here we go. Here, Here we, we go. go. You know where I'm going. <laughs> you know where I'm going. So... I'm going to fold my arms defensively. <laughs> so there's, you know, a sex scene mm -hmm. in the movie, which is horrific, but hilarious. Yeah. And what I keep coming back to. He's so to unenthusiastic about that. I don't want to give too much away. It wasn't a very good sex scene. That I think people really want to see. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. But you're basically in this scenario where you're kind of forced to have sex with a woman. Um, to get her pregnant, and there are other. <laughs> See, get her there name. Others, get her name. There are other people. In, there are other people in the room. Other women in the room. A lot of other women in the room. Yeah. Who are just there to kind of cheer you on. Yeah. But what I love is when these bizarre things are happening. The faces you make. I keep comparing it to Alicia Ball. This I, is just my sex face, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Oh, just, but it's not. <laughs> it I'm like blushing. Um, I don't blush easily. Um, when you, when your character realizes, like, okay, this is really freaky. First of all, he doesn't stop. Yeah. Second of all, he makes these like faces that are almost slapstick. Yeah. That takes you out of it for a second because you're like. Am I supposed to laugh at yeah, this? Like yeah. this, this is not going to go well. We <laughs> kind of know there's. This is not leading well. I know. How do you do a scene like that? Um, you kind of just have to go for it, right? And that was the last day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say it's better like than we, being the first. We, day. We, we, I think we shot that scene over probably fifteen hours. Oh, fourteen or fifteen hours. No, it was it was long, and there were a lot of shots. Well, I was going to say that's what and, she said. Let's just get to it. You're just completely naked. You're yeah, full frontal. Full frontal. Full yeah. frontal. And the cameras capture every angle. Yeah. I mean, there's the shot from exactly, above, yeah. there's the shot from the side. Which I, You're, by the way, I was advocating for as much full frontal as possible. I felt like it was really important. Yeah. And um, why is that? So, well, okay, we'll get back to the laughing in a minute, right? <laughs> we'll talk about the serious part of this first. <laughs> I love how awkward this whole and thing is. When I read the script, I saw an opportunity to, to get it out. take a character who exhibits a lot of archetypal Just like James Franco, for real. Mm -hmm. Like male toxicity. Yeah. Um, who has all of that stuff stripped away from him through the course of the film and then ultimately finds himself in this situation, which is kind of the ultimate humiliation. Mm. And um, uh, a, a, a role reversal, essentially, between him and Danny, because right. she, at this same moment, is going through a catharsis and an empowerment, whereas he is basically kind of 
meeting this really grisly fate in right. a humiliating ah! so that for me was not something that I have an opportunity to do yeah. every day on film and I thought that it was important you know um and and as I say you know like it was always intentional to have the full frontal that was what Ari wanted to do but I was really saying like we got to do as much of this as possible what I also found interesting is that and we laughed at it you laugh at it you know he's completely naked he runs out of the barn where you where you're having sex He's running around and everyone's kind of laughing at that because it's just funny. Yeah. Like you said, like you've taken this guy who's so toxic and just literally stripped him down. But then all of a sudden he covers his bits. Like yeah. that's what he's worried about in this situation. Yeah. What everything that's going on in this movie, <laughs> he's, he's nervous someone's going to see his bits. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, that's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> That was a really cute interview. It was. And I, I actually really like that like that that actor must have to replace Chris Pratt. Because what a charming guy he was in yeah. that interview. Like he was not It's called acting. I yeah, not everybody can do it. So no, I I think he should play Star-Lord from now on. Hey. No, he goes, but he goes on. He's a very, he's, um, he's very, it feels like he's very grounded, I think, and very, uh, precise about what he wants to say. Like, I've yeah. listened to a bunch of interviews that, like, that he's done. And later in this, and we'll watch this in the after party, I'm sure, like, uh, because I feel like the after party is a way better format for, for what we all have to say about Midsummer specifically. But, uh, you know, it, within that, he talks about franchise movies and kind of um, going through like superhero movie, superhero movie fatigue and not really uh, vibing with like that style of movie anymore, which is something that I feel wholeheartedly. Um. It still applies to the horror genre, though. Like there are franchise, you know, Halloween or exactly like. But what? So what he was trying to say is a movie like but this. I like, I like this answer, though, where he's like, you know, they're trying to do different things with like, like our like. Like Ready or Not was a take on like the slasher genre, which without it being loved. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. And also too like the psychological thrillers. I mean, even the new Orphan movie wasn't too bad in my opinion because it actually made like the the uh, the mother more psychotic than Esther was. But I do like his answer about nudity because it seems like male full frontal nudity is not as common as like women nudity is, and I'm including like showing <laughs> pubic hair and everything. Mm -hmm. So I mean. We're slowly starting to get to the point where, you know, all nudity is kind of like the norm now, which I'm like, I mean, it's, we shouldn't be so taboo about these things. I mean, I, when my mom was like, Christina, do you think I would like euphoria? I'm like, mom, there's a lot of penises in it. So I don't think mm -hmm. you will. You're too, you're well, not into a, adult stuff. There's a point we've watched Verhoeven make. Uh, I, I don't know if you were on any of the episodes that we watched him talk about. Like I, you were on for Vendetta, right? Um, when we, when we talked about that, like, uh, so he's dressed as a point. nun, don't you remember? <laughs> so, so, uh, he's made that point a bunch of times that you know, in Europe, they don't really think about it the same way. It's America as, yeah. a, as an audience, and now, I mean, now with our markets kind of moving to like China and other places that are like Which, you know, really puritanical about what, the, what you're allowed to show and what you're allowed to say, and like, you know, it's a different censorship board, like, um, they've kind of shaved it even further down to like this PG 13 thing. But yeah. like you know, he's he's been open about the fact that you're allowed to have way more freedom making these kinds of movies um, that show nudity in France or in well, like, Germany. Of course, of course yeah, you are. Okay. There's still, there's right. still that Roman I, I, in France, but you know, I <laughs> agree wholeheartedly with the the American puritanical culture towards nudity. Really, like, needs to be broken down. 
But the way, because Americans are so ingrained with that puritanical mentality, they tend to like jump over the like just nudity is normal mm-hmm. and and present nudity in a way that is more pornographic than they do in Europe and too. Shameful of the body too. Right. When you when you show like in, if you're watching European cinema or or television, they will just like no biggie everybody in there might just walk through the background naked it's Mm -hmm. nothing it's clearly not meant to be titillating and americans will try to like bust the taboo of nudity and they always go into the is this a sex thing right Mm -hmm. and europeans don't do that no yeah i think think that is something that you lose steam with over time like I, i think that when you're first trying to you know, no pun intended, bust through that, uh, <laughs> bust through that puritanical culture. Um, you know, you're going to do shit like that because that I don't think that kind of taboo has ever really existed in these European uh, yeah. countries. But well, but I think going that back to my would be watching German channels and she's watching movies where there's like you know, gra- like even even over in Europe, the sex scenes could be quite graphic. But that's something that's normalized over there in the nudity. And I'm like, oh my, what the hell are you watching? You watching right. right. but, but, but all the nudity, like. You might see more of like uh, a woman breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. Or, or breast. Or, or you know, someone or... just getting in and out of the shower. Yeah. And they they do a much better job of not associating nudity itself with sex. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they still do sex. Yeah. But it's not the, the nudity itself. Which Robocop and uh, Starship yeah. Troopers. Is, yeah, they just did the shower scene. And, and good examples of both it. of that. In, yeah, fa- yeah. in fact, uh, although, story although about Robocop. I, will, I will say that uh, Verhoeven was trying to make a specific, like that wasn't nonchalant nudity. It was Verhoeven trying to make a point about fascist societies um, breaking down like the, the, the gender, the, the traditional sexualized gender roles and kind of um, the only thing that you're actually uh, like um, sexualized by or like turned on by is the feeling of like nationalism that comes with going to a different planet and so I think that those it's interesting that that scene specifically um, was done with purpose, but like fascists in Benedetta, love gender roles. <laughs> yeah, fascists are all about the gender roles. No, but no, and they, the making fascists. They're not. Babies. They're not. It wasn't they about how they're getting rid of gender. Babies. It's not about how they're getting rid of gender roles. It's about how they're getting rid of the sexualized nature of uh, the boundary between male and female in this. Uh, in this context, because it, you know the men and the women were just able to shower in the same room, and nobody really uh, like minded it or thought about it because they're so wrapped up in like ultra nationalism or I guess ultra globalism in a way. Because you know at this point they're or fighting interplanetarism. Yeah, like well, that. Also- they're that that the, 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 like sex doesn't even uh, register for the people in because what what Starship is supposed to be is a um, like a, a fascist propaganda film from the future. It's not supposed to be like an accurate depiction of what fascists would be doing in an actual society. It's supposed to be like a fascist they propaganda film that you don't encourage orgies, which is what the scenario would be in the group shower scenario. In Starship Troopers, they're just taking a shower. Yeah. yeah I know, they have sex later not, after they kill a bunch of That's not how humanies work. They're not but, human in Starship Troopers. That's the part of the point. Yeah, 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 I mean, you and I maybe can say that. But... Sorry, this is, this is after party. This is after party debate. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. So Sharon Tate was asked when she got interviewed for Playboy or whatever about nudity in films, and this is when she was before she got murdered, when she was married to Roman Polanski. And they, I would and, hope so. It's before she got murdered. Yeah, we have a obviously. we have a witch doctor here to do a seance. To, yeah. To but Tate. 
he asked her like how do you feel about nudity in film and she's like it has to serve a purpose it has to it can't be too graphic it, it could be as simple as you know taking a bath uh having a very simple love scene um undressing getting dressed she's like i don't like when it's served for like a sexual purpose is like what she was alluding to yeah and i was like Sure. I'm, I'm like, and this is when she was married to Rome Plasky, mind you. So I'm like, you know what? Actually, she has a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she's like, it has to be, it has to be a normal everyday thing because she's like, that's part, nudity is part of life. It's something that we do, you know, but well, she's like, it can't be too puritanical and it can't be too over-sexualized. By the way, I like, I like. Nudity can be a tool for visual metaphor, like being vulnerable or open and, you know, all those kinds of things. Like it's a literal action. And then if they're getting into any kind of of symbolism, there's a lot of. of, I was uh, like, Sharon Tate, you were on to something. Yeah. She would not like Game of Thrones. That's what I would, that's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, no, I think, I think. I mean, I haven't watched very much Game of Thrones. I've watched a couple episodes, but like, I feel like that is like the that, that is like the height of the uh, the the American obsession with like all nudity having to be sexualized, like absolutely and rape and just like depraved. Like, how how much can we get away with within this? Not that I think that it takes away from or uh, well, I don't know because I really haven't watched it. But like, I've watched it like the little bit that I have watched. Like after does, I noticed I watched- that the brother and sister have like sexual relations, I was like, this ain't for me. <laughs> Spartacus also had more nudity. Um, there was actually a plot point because of um, uh, the size of a guy's dick. Right, this, this, this is an after party direction. Yes. So, Christina, you are uh, you are you are getting to do this tonight. This is a, a special thing. Uh, yeah. Conan has given Christina permission to do the letterbox one liners, and uh, you know I, I'm uh, excited for an absolutely uh, you know lively conversation. Uh, in the in the after party about all of this stuff, but uh, while we're on a while we're still on a main episode, um, do you do you know do you know Conan's little spiel or uh... well sort of <laughs> do, do so... your own do your own make it yours <laughs> yeah so okay. here's the thing guys there's this thing called Letterboxd, a place where movie lovers movie haters film curious folks gather around to review movies make watch list you know go over films that they hated they loved that made them horny. And uh yeah. we're not horny enough. Not She's horny spot enough. on. You are spot on with this. this oh is, yeah, this is a straight, I, I this is a straight up Conan monologue. I, I know. <laughs> I personally identify as film curious. I mean, I just came up with that on the spot. But um, so we have some letterbox one-liners for the film uh, *Midsummer* or *Midsummer*, depending on how you call it. Uh, Forest, you do the thing. I am so glad Ari Aster clearly never went to therapy. <laughs> I mean, ooh. this seems like it was his therapy. Yeah. In a, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying it went well. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seems like that's how he views it. I mean, art is therapy. Uh, you know, that's why uh, you know people art therapy is a thing. But but uh, you know, well, let's be honest. Like a lot of artists uh, self medicate through art. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like the thought. You know, art is therapy, and that's why I put that Irishman in a bear suit. <laughs> you don't the get be- it, you don't understand his art. <laughs> the best version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory since 1971. I mean, she doesn't own it <laughs> afterwards. Well, she, well the she weird thing is... a thing, but like the society will continue without her. Oh, no, she's in the society now. 
depends on how long she this is, this, all right this is, this, is, this is a topic i want to get into the after party because there's a there's a clip of uh jack whatever that played christian talking about what he thinks happens after the fact all and, right uh, and also just uh you know Ari Aster did specifically say that he wanted this to be his Wizard of Oz. Well that's not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Which is weird, yeah. Ari Aster said, Yeah, grief is awful, but you know what's worse? White men. <laughs> Three stars. Wow. <laughs> well, she really doesn't like white men. That's uh, clearly. She's like, there's too many of them. And you're in Sweden. Just another oh. day for the Skarsgård family. Ouch. Ooh. Ooh. That's stereotyping. Yeah, I mean, because they are Swedish, and yeah. That we're gonna get we're gonna get canceled. Sort of being so hard. against a white family. But Steve Buscemi did go to their uh to, to their park that one year, and uh, that's how we got uh, that one Skarsgård. Was it Bill? What? Yes. <laughs> That's Hot after party material. Midsummer. Yes. <laughs> that one's good. That's like this classic. I'm glad yeah. I picked out these. <laughs> I'm percent sure this is what influencers do when they go to Coachella. Yes. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. The flower crowns, the fashion, they do it all. Kylie Jenner Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> Ari, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I feel I feel like that was Amy's uh that was Amy's response to this one. I have a letterbox. I did one for you in particular. It's good. I liked it and commented. I know. So those were the letterbox one letters for Midsummer from New Rant Extravaganza. Make sure to follow Forrest. He's there reviewing films, and he's doing all the films you really probably have never heard of in your life, and you might not want to watch them, but you know, you do, you boo. Hey, I find some like- gems. Yes, all right. lots of- my my review was Ooh. this movie has such wasted potential. I mean, by sex cult standards, did these Swedish people do anything all that weird? To which I replied, <laughs> missionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, their missionary looks like a turkey. <laughs> the Thanksgiving turkey that like you're about to put in the oven. Freud would have some things to say to you about that. I don't know oh, what, really? but he would have something to say. <laughs> you see, when when the young man sees the Thanksgiving turkey, and that... <laughs> yeah, he's Whoa. thinking of after a party. He's after party. <laughs> young man's Thanksgiving turkey. He's thinking after of a different party. stuffing. Oh no. We got a comment. Thanks for raising the drug abuse issue. The protagonist was either anxious or high. Yeah. yeah. It's possible. Sometimes both. Okay. I do hey, want Don't call me out like that on stream. This is my show. Well, so, of course, <laughs> as a guest invited to your show, I want to pick a bone with something you said earlier. All right. Take away. I will. So, thank you for the permission, though. Um, <laughs> I really needed it. Uh, you said something about the, like, the, the Americans and... The, their sins against the the culture and resulting in their deaths. All of those people were going to be killed regardless of how respectful they were. They were brought specifically there to be sacrificed. And so like the, the way the narrative, like if you follow it in a linear fashion, it's implying that they acted out. And so they got got, 
they would have been killed regardless. None yeah. of the stuff was punishment, except for maybe, I think, I don't know what was the, going on. The if guy were, that peed, I think. Well, they, they did something to his face, but I'm specifically thinking of, I don't remember any of the names other than uh, Christian, Mark, and Danny. Um, the one who had the thesis, he was in, in The Good Place, but yeah, I don't Mark, remember the character's name. Mark is the character's name. Like, I don't know that lingering shot after he gets clubbed upside the head, if they were trying to imply that he was being raped or what, because the body I, kept jerking. I didn't get that. I just thought that they were, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. I don't know, that. but like, but I didn't see a lot of this movie because I had to look at the subtitles and that's work. It was, it was a long shot on him. No, I know what shot you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the point of that was. Like, maybe some kind of punishment there, but like. Making the this the little puppets out of the people like with Mark, he was going to be puppeted no matter what. That's not punishment, you know. I mean, I don't think. This, all right, maybe I maybe I misspoke by saying like. Movie? Pun- what does this, this mean? It's the Queen's favorite movie. Well, there's a lot of. I mean, there was someone who was purposely inbred for the point of being the prophet. So that kind of feels like a that feels like what they do to the Queen. Oh, <laughs> owie. But okay. uh. Okay, but uh, wow. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think that they were necessarily paying for their sins in that sense. I'm just saying, just like, in case y'all missed it, we did actually start ribbing the queen a day before she died. Yes, we <laughs> killed her. That. Apparently, apparently Charles, apparently Charles didn't know that either. Though he went to uh, dinner with uh, Bush's daughter. This is all after party stuff. Let's talk about this in the after party. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Andy, plugs go. No, I, I think Forrest should probably finish his point real quickly. Ah, okay. since, since, no, since, so I, I don't necessarily think that they're killed because, like, I think they would have been killed regardless. But I think they probably would have been killed later on within the thing. They're making them uncomfortable enough that they, you know, do something that seems to uh, dishonor whatever. What like it feels like they're kind of almost like creating a social experiment where they're, they're they have these characters almost do something that's either leave, which obviously like you should just be able to leave. Like I'm not. I'm not saying that leaving was a sin, but in the sense of like this this experiment, I guess like you, you wouldn't assume that they would be killed before the entire festival, right? Like each one just happened to get got. They're probably just really good at this at this point, I guess. Yeah, like, well, they only do it every ninety years, so well, it's not like they're going to be that practiced. And that and my and my and my point about the show is that I think this would probably be a delightful community to live in for the eighty nine years where they're not doing the festival. If you happen to live within the 89 years where this is just a normal community, like out there somewhere in the Swedish, like rural wilderness, like this is probably like a nice community to live in. It's just on this 90th year, this festival, I mean, you would have to deal with every year. All the young people who are participating in it and like, like a culture is not a monolith, right? Like there's going to be people who are like, I think the ritual sacrifices are dumb. Like that's just gonna, like, it's not, well, really le- I mean, it's, same it. as like a, it's like a, the same as kind of the Amish thing, right? Like you, they allow you to go on a rumspringa mm-hmm. in the case of Amish people, but like, you know, you can leave the community and you could just like, they're not going to hunt you down. They're not fucking Stalin, you know, hunting down Trotsky in Mexico city. But like, also yeah, the Amish aren't doing 90 year ritual sacrifices. Are, no, are, but they're, right. doing, I... they're doing 90 uh, inch long rails of cocaine while they're on rumspringa. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's my kind of community anyway andy let's hear um, some plugs no the guy getting this out i don't think i don't think they were i i don't think that they knew which one of ones of them they were going to kill i thought that was the point i thought it was more like a survivor type of thing 
where yeah. they were seeing which like one a reality they show. Keep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and whoever wins the main, like, I would have, I would have assumed that I would have assumed a big thing would have been that, uh, you know, like let's, let's say that they had brought like women with them and it wasn't just like random dudes or whatever, like, um, whoever they brought with them would have participated in the ritual thing. And then they would have been taken probably right before the, the entire thing was to be set on fire and killed. Like, I don't necessarily think that the plan was like, Hey, we're going to, uh, you know, but, but like they're kind of pushing them throughout the entire thing into like either making them so uncomfortable, they want to leave. Like they purposely had them come to the part where, you know, they jumped off the things and then people got freaked out and they were freaking them out more and more. The bear in the middle of the thing. Like I, I would assume, uh, that, if if nobody had freaked out and they would have been like ah, i'm cool with this they would have just taken them before they set the thing on fire and the women would have participated within the May Day uh thing to see if they would have been queen which is kind of the main point of it and then everyone else would have been sacrificed yeah. but each one kind of did something that would i guess i don't I, i'm saying like they definitely stacked the decks in that sense like you know they, they knew that the dudes are going to be sacrificed either way but like uh each one kind of did something i guess to almost dishonor the tribal you know tradition and Which i always think would make them worse candidates for sacrifice like the point of sacrifice is giving up something of value giving your deity the bad eggs doesn't seem like you're asking for 90 years of prosperity in my well opinion. that would assume that you were taking a respectful view at what like a a sacrifice culture might have been like in the first place. And that's movie true. Really wasn't. Also, yeah. they weren't doing this every 90 years because there was an awful lot of uh, uh, queens, May queens in color photographs on the wall. And like, yeah, like the whole thing. It's just like, okay, writer, you made up a, a make-believe culture in a make-believe region with make-believe rules. And they're not it's a real town. Open. It's a real town. Well, but, they might not have. They might not have done all the killing. In, in, uh, I mean, you can have a maypole and not murder nine people. That's okay. True. Like you can let's do get it, Let's get into this. Let's get into this in the after party. Okay. Yes, because we have plugs, and right yeah, now you you're plugs. watching us on YouTube. Do the YouTube things: like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and because Conan isn't here, stick around to the end and listen to that slapping Conan Neutron song. Slaps. Slaps. Yes. Um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we got Movie Night Extra, um, which is uh, a lot of times Forrest, but you know some of us other plebes in the uh, in the group. Uh, also post sometimes. So, you know, it might be Conan, it might be Christina. You never know. But we have a uh, <laughs> a Twitter. So follow that uh, and follow the rest of our wonderful um, uh, uh, Twitters as well. Because we all tweet. We all tweet. We all tweet down here. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. You got that Bohemian Grove vibe going. I fuck with it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is very uh, clear. <laughs> Um, anyways, um, Patreon, uh, Patreon's where you can after party forever and ever, and, uh, you can have access to it. Uh, it's only just, I don't know how much it is off the top of my head. Why did There's, I even start? It's this everywhere. Sentence? It's everywhere. Depending on how much you want to spend on it. There's a $3 option. There's a $5 option. There's a $7 option. You, you, you can pick what you can spend. But, uh, I should have put that I in my notes rather than just after that... party forever. I went with the Patreon option that let me strong arm them into making me a guest. Oh. <laughs> hey, there's a. There's that, a, there's I was, a that's, a, that's my plug for you all. I'm getting in for free. <laughs> <laughs> Two for one deal. Yo, can I bring my friend in here? She's not 21 yet, but like, you know, every, she's not going to cause any trouble. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, no, you're is- supposed to support your support your favorite leftists. Okay, lift each other up, man. And, and local Patreon and local stuff. businesses. And because of YouTube, everything is local business. Well, I mean, what what does local mean for the people on this screen? I mean, we've got a lot of the country covered here. Not Oklahoma. Not Oklahoma. <laughs> That's good. Uh, my, my grandmother's from Oklahoma. We don't talk about that. We hate Oklahoma. No. 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 Anyway, continue with these. We quotes. feel sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, my, my, uh, uh, I was just going to say that Conan Neutron is not here. Uh, he is right now um, gearing up to play in Oakland, California at the Starline Social Club on the 17th. So, um, Check that Ooh, out, and if you fun. if you feel if you feel the need to get a little Conan Neutron in your life because he's not here, I highly recommend checking out uh, episode two sixty six of Protonic Reversal with uh, guest Billy Gould from Faith No More. Ooh, yeah, very nice. Yeah, so that that's my. Uh, you can also check out his music, but whatever, who cares? He's not here. I'm not going to plug his music. <laughs> I will. We listen to his music all the time. It's a favorite in our house, actually. Conan Neutron yeah. and Secret Friends. We listen to it a lot. Uh, yeah, you're a big fan of uh, Dangerous Nomenclature, I take it? We are, yeah. And, and uh, did you get it on vinyl? Yeah, We did, yes. Excellent. Excellent. And you're looking for... With and, a little uh, handwritten note. Like, he go, he goes above and beyond. Yeah, so actually, you know, it, I am going to plug his music. You know, check him out on Bandcamp <laughs> where you can for that. As well as his new album with Action Chief, Just the Solos. Yeah, I got that right. Yeah. Everybody lie to Conan and say we were mean to him while he was gone because I just don't know how this is going to go if he knows we said nice things about well, him. They'd, they'd have to lie because he doesn't watch the show. Oh. Yeah. No, he he does. Yeah, he doesn't watch the show when he's not on it. So. Yeah, he bitches about it though. He does. He does. Uh, Christina is on Twitch uh, four days a week. Definitely check her out. One of the smartest, best informed people on Twitch playing the Sims. Too much. Yeah. You got anybody interesting? <laughs> uh, well, I'm doing a subathon on Saturday because nice. I want to get a nice Twitch payout for October for my birthday. Yay! So you we're gonna we're gonna be, be watching old. We're gonna be watching old like general hospital plot lines that are like clipped on YouTube for that are like an hour and a half. So like, if I get like ten subscribers, we're gonna watch a a full. I mean. You're not technically supposed to watch shows that are still on the air, but the thing is, it's been uploaded on YouTube for like 10 years now, so it's good. Yeah. Old stuff yeah. from like 10 years ago, so it should be fine. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. So if it's old uh, episodes, like like 40-year-old episodes of something. Yeah, they got that too. Yeah, which is which is fun. Um, those old uh, uh, soap operas, I always love like that. All right, after party, summer. after party. I was just going to say those weird summer storylines. So hopefully you get some of that uh, when you're doing that. Yeah. And These Are Bad Movies is also a uh, podcast and on your local radio out there in Kansas. No, it's not. No. Nope. Not on local radio. No. <laughs> Don't tune into the local radio. <laughs> they kicked me off for being racist against white people. You're on this same subject. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's how I get all my podcasts. Oh, right so now. you're bad at Ari Aster for being racist against white people, but you can be but racist with white people, and it's false fine. Is, is this, is false this accusations. False accusations. Is, is this your redemption arc? Are you trying to get back in the good graces of white people because it's not working? 
<laughs> Look at my hat, y'all. <laughs> She's the queen. She's the queen. Of your people. Long live oh, the queen. your people. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> They're yours when you need something. Um, you're you're also doing some work with uh uh you know getting abortion in Kansas. Yeah, we're uh, we're <laughs> we're uh, working real hard. Oh no, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. There's abortions here. Just a single um, abortion. Forrest, abortion one in Kansas. It was badass. The, her and did, I went around. I, and all right, I wanted to make a, I wanted to make a, I wanted to make a Wizards of Oz joke. I'm sorry. I'm I, I know that it won in Kansas. I saw Stephen was... Crowder. I saw Stephen Crowder on, on a video clip on Majority Report disown Kansas. So I, I know that it passed there. Yes. <laughs> now, um, now we've, we're getting a, a a national organization for women chapter up and running in the state of Kansas mm -hmm. and kind of trying to move with some of the momentum because a lot of people were really angry with us for removing signs that were uh, pro-fascist out of uh, public spaces. And I would like to keep making those same people really upset with me. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep that rolling. Yeah. Is there is there a call to action so people can uh, help you guys out? Uh, not at the moment. Well, follow, follow, uh, follow us. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. We're at, at KS underscore N O W and on Facebook, uh, Kansas national organization for women. And we're just, we're just getting started, like trying to cause some good trouble. So, yeah. And then of course our podcast also has the social medias, everything's, these are bad movies, except for the Twitter, which is just these underscore bad. But honestly, the, the Kansas now tweets are going to be more bang for your buck. So which is because I pay attention to them. Yep. <laughs> and I am in charge of the rest. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, all right. That's That sounds good. Um, we're going to be going to the after party in a few minutes. So tune into that. It's going to be more disorganized than uh, <laughs> what's going on here. But I don't even know. A lot talk at the after party. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared to ask. But uh, Amy and Amanda, I want to hear some final thoughts. I mean, I don't, but I do. Let's go then. He keeps bringing us back. I mean, I know, I know. Like he acts like some, he acts like he hates our hate, but I, I don't believe some him. people are masochists. I know. Look at him. Look at his face. Yeah, he lives for this. It's it's his, it's his own little subathon. Yeah. Oh, good one. Oh, okay. Final thoughts on it. I've already exhausted. Well, everything give, it yeah. give it a new brick. Give it a new brick. Oh, an Uber? Yeah, give it an yeah, Uber. Yeah, this, this is technically a crossover. So you got oh, okay. All right. all right, all right, all right. I can give this. That, that means all you have to give Ubers too. Uh, my Uber is like, mm. no flower no. crowns. The the Uber just a noise. Yeah, just a a, a a qualitative rating of the film. So, Forrest, I'm assuming yours is a Yahoo. No, mine was going to be the chant they do this, like, ah, ah, when, they're, when, they're, when they're burning the temple. Okay. All right. Do you have a, a qualitative mouth noise to rate the movie, Christina? Woo! All right, all right, all right. What about that's, you? That's you? that. That's that. Just, uh, just, just got a... Got a, I, I was gonna say elected, but that's not elected. May Queen 
Woo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, not what what's face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going more for a uh, um uh Leonardo DiCaprio and uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like ooh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm surprised nobody did the uh nobody did the Tim Allen. Huh? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's not my Ubrick. I suppose it's something like a, eh. I, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's fair enough, I guess, for this movie, because I have friends that like really like this movie. I have friends that didn't yeah. care for this movie. So it, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a divisive, uh, a divisive topic to cover. I, I just think I could start a better cult. Oh, I know it. I've got so many ideas. Like, Ooh. my rules would make more sense. I'm, I'm sick of white people starting all these cults. That's all I'm saying.